Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, now you see what the Lord doing. Ripping pages out the book, I had to make the story fluent. Thanks to Marshall, I'm sober doing what I enjoy doing. I'm putting Chabby Chatton on, had to at least pay it forward to him. Yeah, every other day another star's born. And that's the freshen of the K and of the R form. Fuck with my comments, shit will be quick. Got what's in my pocket out of the dirt, filthy rich. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's another heavy-handed edition. September 25th, 10.57 Pacific Standard Time. What it do? A little bit of a different setting today. Well, not much difference, but a little difference, and we're going to see how the audio works out. You see, today I have the garage door up since it's 10.57 Pacific Standard Time. And I'm going to see how that goes, but I'll have you know, my locale, to be exact, is called Westmont, Los Angeles. You know what that is? Dude, that's Inglewood, basically. Uh, but I live right on the outskirts of where all the planes come into LAX. And I have a great view from my backyard area, and people who don't see it much really like to come over and look at the planes go by. However, it's not so amusing when you've seen them a million times, but you still find times to smell the roses along the road now, don't you? But tonight, in a heavy-handed edition, Wilder Fury coming to Los Angeles, Staples Center, you know? And this is welcome news for me. You know why? Because I didn't go to the last big event at the Staples Center, uh, Mikey Garcia, um, Mikey Garcia and Robert Easter Jr. I didn't go. And I missed some some homies that came out. You know, the boxing community is a small community. And through the Twitterverse and podcasting, and I, I've I've made some friends along the way. And then quite a few of them were there that night to witness that fight. And me being a late 30-something guy, I'm 36 now, I believe. You know, guys, well, what age is it when you just say, fuck it? I don't know what age I am anymore. I think it's 33. So we have Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury officially announced for Staples Center December 1st. Says senior writer Dan Raphael of ESPN. Well-renowned, well-respected, right, Dan Raphael? I hate Dan. I ain't going to say I hate Dan like Dan. Reason being because I've been around a while, guys. Like, if you've been around boxing over the past, uh, let's say, let's go 10 years, you know, 8 to to 10, you may have seen my name somewhere. Now, if if you've been on boxing chats or forums, probably read an article uh, article of two I've written. I'm sure you have. If you're on Boxing News 24, you've read my articles. My name's Jamil Pennington. You've read those. So, yeah, you've probably seen me around. And I used to be on Dan's every Friday chat faithfully back in the day. Faithfully back in the day. And I think the chat still goes. And, um, you know, Dan's just kind of a elitist snob of a boxing writer. You know? There's few few positions as far as columnists go. And Dan has one of the higher held positions 
and he's an asshole. And he tailed it for some time, and he's, if you ask me, he hasn't served it much justice, but that's another story for another day. But December 21st, Deontay, Bronze Bomber, Wilder, Tim it's going down, y'all. It's really going down. Now, I, I'm not going to break down the fight right now, but I'll just talk about it in general. I think it'd be a tough fight for um, Wilder. You know, Fury's going to come in, and his job is to play disruptor. His job is to play party spoiler. He's trying to spoil that that eventual showdown of the big heavyweight fight that we all want is Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. And Tyson Fury, the self-proclaimed lineal champion, is here to play spoiler. That's what he's here to do. He doesn't care about making this thing pretty. We know he's not going for a knockout. He's here to make it an ugly, nasty, shitty, boring fight where nothing's powerful landed. Nothing powerful is landed. And we have Deontay Wilder looking amateurish, to say the least, for 12 rounds and a unanimous decision to Tyson Fury. That's what we hate to see, right? Give me a second, guys. Y'all know what I do. That's what we don't want. We don't want 12 rounds Tyson Fury making Dante Wilder look amateurish. And that's very likely. That's a possibility. It's possible. What's the percentage? I don't know, depending on who you ask. But it's certainly a possibility. We've seen Tyson Fury do that to Vladimir Klitschko in one of the boringest, ugliest fights in recent memory. So it's not beyond imagination that it could happen again, being that, you know, Deontay Wilder isn't as nearly as seasoned, skilled, or has as many wrinkles or as much craft in his game as Vladimir Klitschko. And Tyson Fury was able to do it to him. <coughs> so if you're a boxing fan, I think we're all in accord, which we seldomly are, but I think on this one, we're all in accord on the notion that we want Deontay Wilder to beat Tyson Fury so we can see the big dogs go at it. We don't want Tyson Fury out here playing Mantador to all these bulls. We want bulls colliding, you know, and at some point, you know, I'm sure these guys will fill each other out for a few rounds when we see AJ Wilder, but at some point they're going to collide in that fight. Fury's entire game plan is to stay away be just make it ugly and we don't want that we don't want fury playing spoiler and be a fucking a seven foot pretty boy you know a seven foot dude who's less offensive than mayweather we don't need that in the heavyweight division heavyweight division we like to see guys get fucking knocked out and punched hard we don't want all this cutesy shit this seven-foot dude is doing. GTFO with that. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> December 1st is set. It's official. Once Dan Raphael reports it, that means it's official. We know that. Staples Center. Be there or be square. I will be there. I'll be in the building. So, we can already assume that ticket is going to be shitty. 
<clears throat> the price of that ticket is going to be pretty steep. If you want to get anywhere where you're not looking at the fucking screen all night, you're probably looking at 200 bucks just to get in a place in the, in the building where you have your visibility is better looking at the ring ring than it is looking at the big screen. <clears throat> Throughout my time of going to fights, I've learned that I I have to settle for a seat where I'm watching a big screen. I watch my big screen in my fucking living room. Yeah. I'm not going out to the arena to watch the screen. I did it before. I said never again. You know when the last time I did that? Kovalev Ward 1, TNT Arena in Las Vegas. <clears throat> now, my seats weren't that bad, guys. I'm telling you. I woke up in a drunken stupor in between the undercard fights, literally just, you know, was asleep in the arena, woke up, and Hank Lundy was sitting directly next to me, and I talked to Hank like we were brothers all night long. Good times. Really good times. But um, <clears throat> great thing, great thing being on the left coast, man. Now, they say the big one's coming, and it probably is. But, I mean, look, man, we got great weather, uh, literally. How many days in, in a year? 365? We got 355 of sunshine this past year. It's probably terrible, but, you know, while I'm alive, I'll take it. You know, as long as there's water running and, and those type of things, I'll take it. 355 days of summer. We get football at 10 a.m. in the morning, whereas the East Coast guys got to wake up at 7 to catch a game. That has to suck. And when they want to watch fights to one in the morning, and if they ever want to late watch a Laker game, they're up till, you know, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. So a lot of things in our favor. And just when I was about to start bitching about a lot of the PBC fights being at the Barclay, they shoot me a nice solid to round the end of the year off. And I can't complain because I was bitter that I did miss that Easter Garcia fight, and I thought that'd be the last fight we'd get. But boxing gods showed some love and put one in staples. So that's for sure. You know, I'll be there, and all my boxing homies and all the boxing homies out there, you know, let's touch base, man. Let's have a drink. First rounds on me at all times, mandatory. But uh, <clears throat> excited. December 1st. Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, title bout, officially set, December 1st, Staples Center, Los Angeles, California. Recap. Oh, yeah, definitely recap. So it's recap time, but let me give you guys a preview. I'm going to give y'all, you know, I, I feel like ain't nobody fucking with me as far as breakdowns and keys to victory. And I'm a, I have what I termed as the heavy-handed keys to victory. And I'm going to just give it to you now. For Joshua Wilder. But that's after I recap the Wilder Pavetkin fight this past weekend. <clears throat> so we had Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Pavetkin. And Joshua gets a knockout in seven rounds. So, as I always like to do, I like to address the narratives that came out of the fight after the result. Joshua gets the knockout, some narratives. You, you, you got a lot of critics saying 
you know, Joshua didn't look good. Pavetkin was able to give him some work. Pavetkin was able to give him work, and Pavetkin did better than, I guess, we estimated. We thought he should have. Now, why exactly? Because we know that Alexander Pavetkin is a top five heavyweight. We know that. It's arguable whether or if Luis Ortiz is better than Alexander Povetkin. Um, I'd love to see that fight. Absolutely love to. I'd probably give Ortiz the edge, but I'd love to see that fight. I'm not quite sure who's better. Um, <clears throat> Alexander Povetkin has been in there with uh, the best heavyweights over the past decade. So why we thought Povetkin wouldn't give Joshua any work, I'm not sure of, because I knew that Povetkin would pose some resistance towards Joshua's eventual W. But here's the thing, guys. Joshua predicted an eighth-round knockout, and he got it in seven. And if you ask me, Joshua was never worried for a moment in that fight. It looked like Joshua came out. He was a leaner, meaner Anthony Joshua. And he kind of just stuck to the game plan. He got some rounds in and just looked like he did what he wanted to do. He he did exactly as he was instructed, stuck to the game plan. He looked at strong. He looked at leaner. <clears throat> and he was able to stay on his toes all night, which I was impressed by. And to me, which is an obvious gear up for the eventual Wilder fight. You have Anthony Joshua out here leaning out. He's bouncing around on his toes. He's working a jab. He was stabbing upstairs, downstairs. And he, to me, looked great. You know? Always has been solid fundamentally. Had a great, like, fundamental base to work from. And, you know, this, you know, his ability to stay on his toes right now is something I'm impressed by. I was impressed. While I hear a lot of people saying they weren't. I don't get it. You know, I I was thoroughly impressed by Anthony Joshua's performance. Is he going to get touched by Alexander Povetkin? Yes. Any heavyweight will. This is heavyweight fighting, guys. You know, and what I was most impressed by Joshua, again, ability to stay on his toes for seven rounds in his jab and then upstairs and downstairs. That was great. And, you know, I, I can't take anything away from Anthony Joshua in this fight. Me personally, and I feel like this was the best Anthony Joshua I've seen. Still a work in progress, of course. Yes, he's an absolute work in progress. But improving nonetheless. Anthony Joshua got a solid eighth round knockout, legitimate by every way imaginable. And looked looked great in my opinion. <clears throat> you know. I feel like Anthony Joshua is gonna be a formidable opponent for anybody he faces. Uh I think Anthony Joshua is probably more proven than Deontay Wilder in half the fights. Less than half the fights. We've seen Deont we've seen Anthony Joshua in there with the lineal champion over a decade. 
at the time reigning. Now you could say, of course, Tyson Fury already had taken Vladimir Klitschko's reign. However, let's save that argument for another day and just hypothetically tell the story based upon the premise that Vladimir Klitschko, at the time he faced Anthony Joshua, was every bit the Vladimir Klitschko we always knew him to be, which I don't think he was far removed from, and I do think that Vladimir Klitschko was up for that Joshua fight. He felt even, I think Vladimir Klitschko probably trained harder for that Joshua fight than he did for his fight versus Fury. Uh, that said, we seen in that fight, Anthony Joshua hit the canvas. Uh, not a flash knockdown to Dr. Hammer. Vladimir Klitschko's right hand down the pipe on the money. You know, that's basically Barry Bonds hitting the ball on the barrel of the bat on the sweet spot. Vladimir Klitschko lands that right hand down the pipe. Good night. And uh, we seen Anthony Joshua get up, sustain, come and chop a guy down. And it looked like, and I think what we come was come to be true, Anthony Joshua told him, if you don't get me out of here right now, I'm going to knock you out. And then he did with a devastating uppercut from an awkward position. Second here, guys. And, you know, that said, man, I think that's something we can bank on. I think the sample we have from Anthony Joshua is a better sample than what we have from Deontay Wilder. I'm I'm speaking of adversity. Is a person being in an adverse situation all we make a conclusion from? No, I don't think so. I think it's a damn good one. You know that how the adage goes? I love adages. Here's why I love adages. Because a lot of them have been around prior to any of our existence, of course. Like what goes around comes around. How long have people been saying that? 100 years 200 years, 300 years. Fuck them down. How long has that been going on? Um, you reap what you sow. Uh, you know, these that, that could possibly be a Bible reference. And God knows how long that could have been going on. And so that's why I do give these things, those old adages, uh, I quantify them. I definitely do, but uh, Anthony Joshua, fantastic fashion, man. And uh, just to get back to what I was, the, the point I was making here is that when we apply an adage like we judge a person not by adverse circumstances much, but by how a man falls and not by how he is when he's on top, but how he rebounds when he falls. And we actually have had the chance of seeing Anthony Joshua fall and get up and what he does. And that's, you know, a lot of fighters, that's how we, that makes or breaks them a lot of times. 
How do you react the first time going down? You could argue that Adrian Broner has never been the same since going down by hand of Marcos Maidana. You could argue that. I'd argue that. Many a fighter, once going down, never the same. Can't rebound mentally, mental block. But Anthony Joshua, we do have that sample, and we've seen what Anthony Joshua does when he gets knocked down. A very workmanlike fighter. You know, for all the physical appearance, I think Anthony Joshua is a real humble, solid dude, man. I can't help but to like him. You know, uh, one of my good friends, Willa, Outsiders Podcast. What's up to y'all? Willa RC, Janelle, them cats over there, uh, D and Slime and all that. Um, Shout out to them guys. But like my boy Willa call Anthony Joshua UK brother. What does a UK brother imply? What I think my boy says when he calls them black fighters that are from the UK, UK brothers. He's implying that they're soft. Now, I don't know his premise for this. I don't really care to expand. I probably could, but I don't feel like it. Um, But the implication is that the UK dudes are softer. But I think Anthony Joshua is not soft. I think Anthony Joshua is actually tough. I think Anthony Joshua is a workman. I think Anthony Joshua is humble. And I think he's he understands where he is. He understands how good he is. He doesn't think he's all world. I think he's very humble. And ah, you know, you you got a guy that you know seeming looks the way he does. You know, he has a great looking physique. No homo. Pause. You know, got slightly uncomfortable. But you know, good looking dude. But I've never got a sense of him being arrogant you know seems like he just goes to fucking work and that I can appreciate about a a guy who's obviously a megastar and if he can possibly cross over if this guy comes in there and let's say hypothetically knocks out Deontay Wilder I think the crossover will be in full effect and we got a megastar on our hands because in the UK Anthony Joshua is already packing out eighty to ninety thousand seat stadiums, so easily with ease. So this guy's big over the water, and so this eventual showdown that we all hope has happened, barring no bumps in the road, being Tyson Fury at this point, because it looks like, well, it's obvious that. Anthony Joshua has gotten past his obstacle in Alexander Povetkin. Now it's Wilder's turn to hold his side and get past Tyson Fury. Uh, Easier said than done, of course. But, guys, I want to say this. I'm going record now, man. This is getting late. I got Anthony Joshua beating Deontay Bomb squad, Wilder. I got him beating him. Now, I know a lot of y'all out there like. Oh, shit. Say it again. Say something else. Oh, say something else. Say something else, nigga. 
Yeah. I'm going to say it. <clears throat> I said it. I got Anthony Joshua beat him. Now, over here in the, on this U.S. soil and, uh, you know, in the circles of boxing I am, a lot of guys are going for Wilder. A lot of guys are, you know, caping. They're out there. Understood. I love Wilder. He, he, he a part of the circles I'm in. You know, it's all good. But if I'm breaking them down, and this is a heavy-handed keys to victory, the heavy-handed keys to victory is what you're about to get. If I'm breaking them down, and I'm, I'm letting my audience know what I really think, when that fight comes, I'm taking Anthony Joshua. Here's why. And here are the heavy-handed keys to victory for Anthony Joshua. As we all know, Anthony Joshua has to, of course, stay away from the jab, from the right hand. We know that. And and that's for anyone fighting Deontay Wilder. You know, and, and it's been obvious that that Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua and team have been geared to me, have been gearing up for this fight. I think over the past year, we've seen Anthony Joshua boxing more because he's, uh, I think when you see the fight versus he and Wilder, he's going to be the guy boxing. He's going to be the guy on the outside of the ring and Wilder will be the guy coming forward in a Frankenstein like fashion and if things go the way Anthony Joshua and team plan, Wilder will just come forward in a Frankenstein-like fashion looking to land the right hand and never getting it and being outworked and possibly knocked out. <clears throat> Over the past year, we've seen Anthony Joshua uh, slim down. Definitely had a concentrated effort of slimming down so that he can have a higher work rate. We know that with Anthony facing Deontay Wilder, you can easily win rounds. We had a guy in Gerald Washington, probably up four rounds to one at the time or something by the time of the stoppage. So that's it. Anthony Joshua, clearly, especially in this fight versus Podvekin, we've seen a completely different Anthony Joshua. If you've been watching, if you've watched Anthony Joshua's training here recently, you'd see that it's a lot of agility workout. It's a lot of lateral movement and turning of the body, things of that nature. But a lot of footwork, lighter on feet and being able to move around. And that's what we see a lot of work with Anthony Joshua. And I think that's what the game plan is for them to be able to box. You've seen Anthony Joshua use a really solid jab this past this past fight uh and able even able to stab to the body and come upstairs or either or upstairs and down very impressive so that's definitely one thing you you're going to see and that's any anybody who's going to fight wilder they're definitely going to stay away from that right hand another key element for anthony joshua is establish the jab if he can establish the jab that that's that's that'd be a good thing for him, and um, him being able to outwork outwork Rounder is I think something that is a bit of a a given. You know, we don't think that Wilder is going to come in there and have the volume of a Anthony Joshua, who has a really good volume for a heavyweight fighter, especially his size. And lastly, for Joshua, I have um, rough him up. 
get in close. You know, Wilder's not much for an inside fight. You can't let him catch you on the way in because we've seen him do that, uh, i.e. Arthur Spilka and others. But um, get in there, get close, stay in his chest, rough him up. Uh, we've never seen Wilder in a, in a uh, phone booth fight, so to speak. And uh, he likes, he needs his range. He needs that big rangey wind up to really get to you. So get in there and rough him up. And that's something definitely I think Anthony will be trying to do is being able to dart in, dart out. And that's something he can do. For Wilder, like Joshua, establish the jab. For Wilder, if Wilder can keep uh, Anthony on the end of that jab and he have control of the jab game, of the jab contest, because I think that's what both guys will be kind of jousting for in this fight is who can take over the jab contest. And let's say if Wilder is able to do it, that's all the better for him because then he can actually set that right hand up. And that's so key for Wilder because we know it's about the right hand, but with the way the right hand has been delivered as of late, you know, at some point a knowledgeable fighter is going to be able to avoid it if it's not going to be set up. If we just have this big thing, just you can see it coming a mile away. I could see it. Anyone with any sense could see this right hand trying to be landed at all times. Uh, someone's going to be able to evade that. And for for Wilder, if he could win the jab game in the fight, that would be amazing for him. Also, maintain distance. Wilder, a key a key to victory for Wilder. And, and all this is getting around to Wilder being able to set up the right hand, having the distance, uh, establishing the jab. Those are one and the same to some degree. Um, so distance, jab, Wilder, those two things are key for him winning. Also, higher volume. You know, Wilder can't go out against a, a class fighter like Anthony Joshua and sit back there and rely on this right this right hand to land that's just going to knock him out. Because let's just say, what if it doesn't knock him out, Deontay? What if it doesn't? You know, and, and that's possible because we've seen, again, priorly mentioned, Vladimir Klitschko landed on the money and Anthony Joshua got up and got him out of there. So, Deontay, have you ever planned to pass that? You know, what if you do land your Sunday punch, but you don't get rid of them? Then what? You got any plan B? You haven't had to use it in 50 fights or whatever it be. So, you know, that that's one of my biggest things. So, higher value, maintain distance, and establishing the jab. Also, for Deontay, has to be has to be vital for him be disciplined on defense. Deontay has a uh, a bad a bad tendency um when in close or coming out of a break to pull back with his head up high with his chin up. And sooner or later, you know, sooner or later somebody's going to catch that chin. And we've seen um Anthony Joshua especially in this past fight be able to land that short step in left hook on the money. I think that's what set up the right hand that he eventually sat Pavekin down with is that left hook. And so Deontay pulling back with his chin up, uh, we could see that land. So 
prediction. I'm going to take Anthony Joshua in that fight due to he being a better all-around fighter, has fought better competition. Um, You know, Joshua just to me has had the better resume, has been in with the more stiffer competition more regularly, and has just become the better overall fighter at this time. Uh, Could Deontay be drunken by his own power? That's a possibility. You know, the guy's stalking people with a right hand at this point. And I worry that if he does land it or if he doesn't, let's say he doesn't, then he doesn't win because he's not going to outwork you. But what if he does and he still can't knock you out? Then what? I wonder, right? Because we don't know. But I have to assume at some point, right? You know, it happens to them all. You know, it happens to them all. It, it, it happened to George Foreman when he could, you know, blow little old Joe, Joe Frazier off his feet and had old Ali. Of course, we all thought and Joe couldn't. What happened when you couldn't knock him out? You couldn't knock him down easy. All George could do was keep punching hard. And punched himself out. You know, it happens to them all. It happened to Mike Tyson. What happens when you when you just can't scare the guy to death, and the guy's not afraid of you, and he's coming to fight, and you can't knock him out? What you got after it? So I'll ask Deontay the same thing. What if he just can't knock him out? You know, and and. Most importantly, most importantly, for me, the reason why I'm going to give my prediction over Joshua is that Joshua can set up a knockout conventionally. And Deontay just basically has to stalk with the right hand. Uh, I'll go on, on record, I'll go out on a limb and say any fighter would love to see be able to set up a knockout setting set it up meaning hey off a jab or a trap you've laid or off a counter punch or you know you know where you could see a guy set it up you know a combination like you seen from joshua this past weekend left hook right hand you know and this is something we just don't see in from Deontay Wilder. And I believe that Joshua, and, and like we said, Joshua predicted a knockout in eight. He got it in seven, guys, and you criticized him. The guy went in there to get eight rounds. He said eight, and he got him out in seven. And it was clear he wasn't trying to dog him. He was trying to execute the game plan and get him some work. And he did that. And when it comes to Wilder, I'm not 100% certain if Wilder can knock him out with one punch. <clears throat> that I don't know. Uh, and I also don't know, and I'm also certain that, you know, Joshua is the more likely guy to be able to set something up. He's the more likely guy to be able to win by volume, win by, you know, just outworking the guy. And then that said, like I always say, guys, if we're left with Wilder having a puncher's chance, 
that would mean he just doesn't have that good of a chance, right? Because as we always say, a puncher's chance means the guy has really slim odds to win. Overall, I just feel like Anthony Joshua has more tools and more avenues to victory than does a Deontay Wilder. Do we think Deontay Wilder can win a decision? I don't. Because that would say that he'd have to win rounds. And I just don't know. The I mean we've seen the the Anthony, the Deontay Wilder, I'm sorry, versus Bermain Stavern, part one. And that was a beautiful Deontay Wilder in my estimation, a jabbing Deontay Wilder who was setting things up. So we does know we do know it exists, but we haven't seen that guy since. Maybe we haven't had to see him. Maybe he's still there but only comes out if need be. It could be far easier for Deontay Wilder to say, fuck it, I'm going to just go in here and knock you out. But I'm a jab for all night. And he's he's done very well in doing that. He's done plenty of that. But I would like to see some craft. I'd like to see some wrinkles. And it looks like, at least in my estimation, that Anthony Joshua has shown me that craft and those wrinkles as of late. Could Deontay Wilder still possess them quite possibly? But I don't know that for certain. I do know that Anthony Joshua just showed me some wrinkles in his game that I didn't know he possessed and looked to be improving at. So, that said, most importantly, reason I take Anthony Joshua in this fight is because I feel that he's given us a better sample facing adversity getting up and getting the KO and that he has the ability, he has more avenues to victory. One being outworking Wilder, which is not hard. And two, if we're talking knockout, he's the guy that has the ability to actually set up a knockout. Whereas I could imagine Deontay Wilder coming in very Frankenstein-like, Ah, let me hit you with this right hand. Uh, You know, sooner or later, man, it's bound to happen, I promise, guys. Whether it's this fight or not, somebody's going to be able to get around that right hand and get in enough work and beat this guy. Unless that guy who beat Bermain Stavern the first time around still exists and we just don't know it. That's possible. That's a possibility. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, though, man, it's a heavy-handed edition. And that was a heavy-handed edition. It's a late night. It's a Tuesday, and we're going into that hump day. And um, that'll do it, man. Thank you all for listening. I'm out of here. Later.